0: So anytime in the Gospels someone shows like uh, an extraordinary amount of faith, they're always lifted up as like a great example for for good reason, right? So um, Peter, at the end of our Gospel passage today, he stands up, right? So Jesus turns to the 12 and Peter speaks up and he speaks for all 12, which in itself is fascinating to think about, right? Because we know that Judas Iscariot betrays Jesus. Right, so that in itself is is fascinating, just as I'm thinking about this right now. It's fascinating that Peter speaks for all 12 of the apostles. And it's his extraordinary faith that we hold up to be an example for us. Like if you're looking for an example of faith in the Gospels, Peter is there with others as well. And then there are times in the Gospels where people, they walk away from Jesus, or they get into arguments with him, or they accuse him, or they kill him. And those people, we say, are the bad people. We shouldn't, we shouldn't like them. They're bad news, bad yeah. But I think sometimes, like, this, is, this has been helpful for me just in the last few weeks as we've been reading through John chapter 6. <clears throat> it's helpful for me to step back and look at what's going on. I did this this past Easter as well as, as preparing to preach on Easter morning. I, I step back and, like, look at the text of the gospel as though I've never read it before. And see if as I'm reading it, I actually relate more to those with strong and extraordinary faith, or if I relate actually more to those who are at least struggling. So our gospel that we heard this evening, it begins by saying many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, this saying is hard, who can accept it? Right? So... We need to like, stop and consider, like, what saying is this? And in fact, even if you were at Mass last weekend, which hopefully you were, but even if you were at Mass, you didn't hear the saying that they're talking about because we had the assumption, right? So we had a different set of readings than what we normally would have had. So the saying that's hard is this, Jesus speaking in John chapter 6, and he says, Amen, amen, I say to you. Just as the living Father sent me and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. And that's where we jump into our gospel passage for today where they say this saying is hard, who can accept it, right? So like Imagine for a moment that, that you haven't been Christian, let alone Catholic, for much of your life. Imagine you're hearing Jesus say this for the first time. Like, he says to you, hey, if you want to live forever, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Okay? Like, ha. What? Like this doesn't. It's no wonder, right? Like, if we're honest with ourselves, it's no what Jesus is saying things that are impossible. Or if they're not impossible, he's saying things that sound like cannibalism. <laughs> right? Like, you want me to do what? No, like actually, in fact, in fact, the Old Testament says we're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. Like these people, the, the, the Jewish leaders who Jesus is speaking about, many of his disciples, right, they, they're all converts. They've all come to him from the Jewish way of life. And if you're Jewish at the time of Jesus, you know the scriptures of the, what we call the Old Testament. For them, it's just the, the law. They know the law and the prophets. So for them to hear Jesus say to them, you have to drink my blood, that's a direct violation, at least on the surface. It's a direct violation of the law. And so even for those who have seen Jesus and, like, they're getting a glimpse of who he is, right, because we can't, we can't forget this, that at the beginning of John 6, this whole thing begins with Jesus feeding literally thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and some fish. Right? So it begins with him performing a miracle. Right? So in your imagination, as you're imagining hearing this for the first time, you can't forget about the miracle that took place at the beginning of the chapter. Right? So your interest is, at the very least, your interest is piqued in who this Jesus is. If not, if not already, like, you're ready to sell out for him, right? Because you've seen this miracle that he performed. So we can't forget about that. But at the same time, even though you've maybe gone like wholesale in on Jesus, now you're hearing him say things that they're just hard. They're impossible. One, it's impossible for thousands of people to eat one person, right? Like that in itself is impossible. If, I mean, it's disgusting as it is, but it's impossible. But beyond that, right, we know this. Like, so we, this, this is the gift that we have in the 21st century. We have 2,000 years worth of history. And so we know that Jesus is speaking of a deeper reality. But nonetheless, it's still a reality that's impossible. Right, we know as Catholic Christians that Jesus is not speaking of ordinary flesh and blood, but his flesh and blood, which is, that is, he is the living and enduring God. (laughs) Amazing. We know as Catholic Christians that when we have the Mass every Sunday, if not even every day, We know by faith that the bread and the wine are turned into the flesh and blood of God so that when we come forward to receive Holy Communion, we know that we're actually fulfilling this difficult saying of Jesus. But to step back and think even of that, how in the heck does bread and wine turn into the flesh and blood of God? Well, like the thing that I was admiring about these people that are wrestling with Jesus, that are disagreeing with Jesus, that are even walking away from Jesus, as tragic a reality as that is, the thing I was admiring about them is that at least they're being honest. The statistics show, brothers and sisters, that most Catholics don't even believe this is real. That is, the statistics show that most Catholics, whether it's Catholics coming every Sunday or Catholics who come only on the big holidays, most Catholics who come forward to receive Holy Communion don't believe it. At least these people are being honest. And so it actually challenged me to stop and take an honest reflection of what I believe in full disclosure there are so many times when I as a priest I'm here at the altar or the altar wherever I'm offering mass I'm saying the words but a lot of times my mind is in other places and I actually have to remind myself like no this is an incredibly important moment right here do I believe this Now I won't speak for Father Jake, but I'm betting that's the case too. How about for you? Take a moment for an honest assessment in your mind and in your heart. The thing I love about our first reading is this. So this comes at the end of the book of Joshua, chapter 24. So Joshua is the guy who took over after Moses died, right? And we know Moses, the one who brought God's people out of slavery in Egypt. They were in the desert for 40 years, and they were right on the brink of the promised land, and Moses dies. He doesn't get to go into the promised land. Joshua takes over. They go into the promised land, and they begin to sort of parcel it out according to the different tribes that they were from. And now at the end of this book, there's this, this grand finale moment where Joshua says he gathers all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, summoning their leaders, their, their elders, their judges, and their officers. Right? And they're standing there as though they're standing before Almighty God. And Joshua, their leader, he does exactly what I'm doing now, and that is he's saying, stop what you're doing and think for a minute. God is so good but he's also just and so Joshua says decide today who you are going to serve if you're going to serve some other God that's fine go and serve that other God but if you are going to serve the Lord be faithful to him let your mind and your heart be consumed by him and we don't, we don't get it all in our reading that we heard today. The people, they're like, yeah, no, like, we're on board with this. And Joshua's like, no, wait, <laughs> wait. If you agree to this, the Lord is going to hold you witness against yourself so that if you become unfaithful to him, he's going to hold you accountable to that. And they're like, no, we're, we're in on this. Like, this is it. And he says, no, hold, like, just stop and slow down. Before you jump all in on this, you need to stop and really consider. And so the people are like, yeah, we're ready. And the end of the chapter, it says that the people of Israel were faithful to the Lord all the days of their lives to the end of that generation. Right? And so for today, I think, so the Lord is for sure inviting me to this. And by virtue of me being the one preaching at mass, he's inviting you to do the same. Stop and consider, what the heck are you doing here? Stop and consider that Jesus is making impossible demands of you. He's asking you to do something impossible. Something that's impossible for you to do, but it is possible for him to do it by his grace. And so when you come forward for Holy Communion, he's asking you, do you believe this? And before you jump all in, right? Like my tendency is to to be like the people of Israel and to jump in and be like, yes, I'm in on this. He's like, hold on a minute. Just wait. Right, he even turns to the 12, his closest friends. And he says, are you going to go too? Right, And I love, I love Peter's response. Right, and you can imagine it in your own mind's eye. Right? Imagine how that was. In, in my mind, there are like two ways he could have answered it. He could have been like eager to jump at it. Or it's like Jesus asked them and, and he sort of paused for a minute and just thought about it. And out of a spirit of confidence, he's, he sort of steps forward and he's like, Lord, where else are we going to go? You are the one who has the words of eternal life. And we've thought about this. We've seen the miracles. We've seen all that you've done. We've heard your teachings. We know that it's hard, but we... We've come to believe this. We're convinced by this. I can't imagine going anywhere else, he's saying. And now he turns to you. He says, what do you think about all this? It's impossible, I know. Some of the things that he says are hard, I know. But still he says to you, What do you think? Are you gonna leave too? What do you think about this thing that I teach? What do you think about this supreme thing that I teach, he says. What are you gonna do? Let's take an assessment, an honest assessment of ourselves. As we finish with a little prayer, we just simply ask the Lord to enlighten our minds, to enlighten our hearts, and to help us to see more clearly. Lord God, we give you thanks for the great gift, the great gift that you have given to us simply in speaking to us. Thank you, Lord God, for the gift of the laws that you have given to us. The laws which we find easy and the laws which we find difficult but easy and difficult they may be. They are the laws that lead to eternal life, and so we thank you for them. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to share life with us and to invite us into something much deeper than this life that we experience here and now. We thank you, Jesus, for this supreme gift of your flesh and blood that we find in the Holy Eucharist. And we ask you, Jesus, to give us confident faith in what you teach, in what you preach, in what you work in our lives. Jesus send your holy spirit to open our minds and our hearts so that we can receive more of your grace above all the grace to believe you and to take you at your word Jesus, send us your Holy Spirit so that our faith may increase in such a way that nothing can shake us, that nothing can lead us astray, that nothing can distract us from your love. Jesus, fill us, fill us in every possible way so that we can't help but to be convinced that you are the eternal Son of God, and you are the only one that can lead us to life. Amen.